0: and get that pre-order in and you'll be able to get a free download of a meditation we created and a workbook that goes along with it much love and appreciation for your support much love thank you
1: so we need to get out of this oh my god the problem's so big someone else is gonna handle it no someone else isn't gonna handle it we drive the narrative
0: hi i'm mark Groves. I'm a human connection specialist and founder of Create the Love. At an early point in my life, I became obsessed with understanding relationships, the intricacies of how people connect. And through this exploration, I have created a life and a business dedicated to learning out loud and exploring how we interact with each other and the world. This podcast brings the world's top thought leaders, spiritual luminaries, physicians, scientists, researchers, best selling authors, and health and wellness experts under one roof to discuss the good, the bad, the messy, and of course, the beautiful parts of the human experience. Welcome to the Mark Groves Podcast. I can't wait to dive in with you. I'm super excited to have next guest, Darren Olean, who is a New York Times bestseller, the book Super Life, as well as the co-host of Emmy Award winning documentary series on Netflix, Down to Earth, with uh, the beautiful Zac Efron. And I also was learning about the nut that you have, the Baruchas nut. Did I say that right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, you nailed it yeah the brucus a uh, very special special nut on so many different levels, so I had to had to when you discover things like that, you just like I knew I needed to bring that to the world
0: well, I'm so excited to get into it with you I mean, clearly, you've lived a life of substantial adventure and I was listening to another podcast you were on, and you were saying like you know I never when it came to the documentary like I never wanted to sort of do anything with a celebrity, but, uh, you know, this opportunity came along. So maybe you could speak to that because I'm sure a lot of people know you from that. That show did so incredibly well and and seemed to really speak to the passion that you have for discovering ways that we can become more healthy and, and things that we can do with the earth and with food. So maybe we could start there.
1: Yeah, you know, that that was a very serendipitous coming together. I think it 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 really started when you know, 15 plus years running around the globe, superfood hunting, then that quickly becomes more than just finding the food. It becomes cultural, it becomes indigenous, it becomes learning, it becomes environmental. So seeing all of that stuff over the last several years, there's always been this kind of looming thing of people asking that should be a show, you should you know, bring that out. People should know what's going on. And so I kind of was like, okay, yeah. And I, in and out of some production meetings over the course of a decade and nothing really clicked or, you know, (laughs) ironically it was like, yeah, let's bring a celebrity in. And I was kind of like, nah, uh, nah, not really. Um, (laughs) And so as things matured and as I learned, you know, the, the superfood, although still a muse in my life was just that it was the impetus of learning and of traveling and seeing and exploring and, um, humbly kind of being in very off the grid scenarios. Um, and then, so I started writing down, like, what would a Show be like if I really wanted to do something from more than just superfood hunting. And, And so I started writing that down. I started sketching that out. Not a month later, um, after I was on one of the several times I was on Rich Roll Podcast, Rich had reached out to me. He had a mutual friend that knew Zach, and he said, Hey, is it okay I give Uh, your number to Zach. And, and I was like, sure. You know, it's like, I wasn't, you know, wasn't expecting anything. And so, and then I forgot about it. And then I got this random kind of text message (laughs) from Zach at a certain point. And, and he seemed, you know, initially very genuine. And so we had lunch uh, and just sat for hours kind of talking about all the stuff from health and nutrition and environment and and it was really it was not looking for it wasn't even we weren't talking about a tv show at all like he wasn't coming to me for a show i wasn't going to him for a show it's just getting to know and and then it was kind of in the course of conversation it was you know you know what else you doing and what else you got going on and i brought up this idea of a show and it kind of just stopped him in his tracks from what i saw and he was like, wait, we could travel, mm-hmm. we could learn, we could get into these areas. And I was like, yeah. And and so that show was, you know, so dreamy. Yeah. From, from obviously, you know, health and the environment is an individual health and the health of the world. It's it, we're one, this is one organism. And, you know, so, so for me, let, let's talk about you know what's out there in terms of growing food and how to live and clean water and and all of the complexities of that quantum and uh, entangled element uh, and 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 blue zones and all of these things. So he just kind of blew away, and then he reached back out to me after that conversation. He said, "I got this show." that uh, Netflix that I don't want to do. We shot a pilot. It kind of sucked. And so we just (laughs) changed the whole idea of this kind of sitting existing show. And we just changed it all. And he brought me in obviously. And that started kind of this lightning in a bottle of us coming together. And, um, you know, asking some good questions and highlighting some good people and, and being out in the world and showing what's possible and not trying to be experts per se, but more of just a a journey of letting people come through. And, and, and Zach uh, certainly became an incredible confidant of travel where he really was learning so much along the way. And of course I did too. You can't, you can't know it all. So anyway, that's, that's, that's how it kind of innocently and serendipitously happened.
0: That's so cool. I'm curious, what have you noticed in your travels in the search for superfoods? But I, so I have two questions. One, in your travels, what have you noticed from a community-based perspective, how people live, where they achieve these levels of health? also what led you to want to do this to like what sends someone on a search i mean i get that you know we might want to go to australia you know and go check it out but like you're on a mission and you have been on a mission for a long time you could tell it comes from like a deep-seated passionate place
1: you know to answer that question i i'm i'm a blue-collar kind of dude and you know yeah i went to school and college and everything else and wet my whistle with physiology and nutrition but it was really when i saw foods supplements those kind of systems failing from what i saw like wh- why are these ingredients that don't need to be in a product and why do why are they claiming something when there's nothing there in terms of what the food is or what it could have been is not there anymore so, I was kind of frustrated as a person that, that cared about health. And it was kind of this light bulb where I was like, well, let me see if I can put something together that kind of fits in this modern day world that we're, we're certainly lacking these nutrients. We're lacking the, the strength of what the food used to be. Uh, we're being annihilated, kind of in a certain sense, on all the chemicals that were being created. So, we're stressed. On levels that you're not even cognitively aware of, which led me to that fatal convenience mm-hmm. side of what I talk about in my podcast, and I'm currently writing a deeper book on that. But uh, it it was all of that li- kind of light bulbs of just like, well, I want to find some stuff functionally, even before functional food wasn't even a term. I just like let's see what's going on, and from kind of a, a you know Minnesota background and my father you know worked and 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 taught as a professor um economics and business practices with farmers out of the university of minnesota i just it didn't make sense not to show up and it it just so happened like the things i was fascinated with were these you know adaptogens and these far-off exotic things proposing to be these miraculous medicinal plants of our far off ancestors of, of, you know, the billions of years Mm -hmm. we've been on the planet. Uh, So I just said, well, I got to know what's going on. I got to like, okay, I can read, I can research, I can do all that stuff, but that's boring really in the face of it all. And so I just saved up a bunch of money and started traveling and I made some connections to some suppliers and those suppliers led to, I said I have to see the farmers. I have to uh, know how this stuff is grown. I have to meet them. So you you all of a sudden put this little program together where the the manufacturer is bringing you to the to the cultivators and the growers and the foragers. That's cool. And then you're just yeah. And then you're then you're having lunch with them and learning from them and why and where and who and so you're you know at. You know, fifteen thousand feet, and, and you know, picking maca, and you're you're in the sovereign mountains of China. You know, looking at rhodiola, and it just and it becomes this anthropologic kind of experience where you're like, wow, like the super and superfood is really. Like, how do we grow this? How do we work directly with the people? How do we do it in a way that preserves those channels as much as possible? How do we then take it to a place where we have to actually test it? We have to make sure what's in there Mm -hmm. and is preserved in the best way possible to whatever presentation we want to ultimately get it to. So my formulation started having layers and layers of experience but also then the the experience uh, taking into the knowledge of like, oh, all of these things matter immensely. And then being able to actually bring that into a formula or bring that into a company and go, oh, that's that's the way transparency needs to be. And, and ultimately the customer needs to have the opportunity of receiving the gift and receiving the the symphony of I mean, just the idea that we can consume plants that literally are our medicines that were there for, mm-hmm. you know, six, 60,000 years from aboriginal data in Australia to f- upwards to 40,000 in Ayurveda and 10,000 plus in traditional Chinese medicine. You're like, I don't know about you, man, but the, the my, my faith... Mm-hmm. <laughs> goes more towards that than a couple hundred years of thinking we know what's going on with pills and potions of chemistry that we don't even we don't even know the first thing about the miraculousness of the body so so for me that's that's my go to and so if i can provide powerful food and powerful nutrients that the body needs more than ever because of the starving of our a lot of food, poor nutrition, lot more stress chronically than ever before while well, the body needs this. I need to formulate that. Plus those people and the land to the best of our ability have to be better off with us being there. So so it's, it's a full spectrum.
0: I'm curious, what did you notice when you first began that adventure? When you're going to these places and you're seeing Corporations have these production plants, or I don't know if that's the right word. And then their even their interactions or how they treat the people who are cultivating these products. What was most shocking and and that made you passionately want to change things? And maybe there's a lot. If you haven't heard me talk about cozier sheets before, let me tell you, I'm about to introduce you to the greatest sheets you will ever have touch your body. Anytime someone comes to our house and stays in our guest room, they always want to know what is the bed situation. What are the sheets that we have? Their sheets, their comforters, their duvets, everything is magic. Their bedding is naturally breathable. It's temperature regulating. It's so damn soft. It's ethically sourced viscose from bamboo. It's incredible. And the brand was featured on Oprah's Favorite Things But before that, it was featured on Mark's Favorite Things. Like, I discovered this brand years ago. Before... I ever even chatted with them about being a sponsor for the podcast. And because I love their product so much, I asked for an exclusive offer for you and you get 40% off site-wide. And now they have pajamas. They have like loungewear. So not only do you get to wrap yourself in the experience of the sheets as clothing, but you then get to get into the bed in that. So you're like double wrapped. And so all you gotta do to save 40% off site-wide is use the code Groves at checkout. So just my last name, G-R-O-V-E-S. So go to CozyEarth.com, C-O-Z-Y, dot and use the code Groves and you get 40% off all their products.
1: Shocking is definitely a word that we can use very appropriately. When you realize that in a lot of situations, I was at the supplier that was supplying many companies. And I'm sitting there going, this is a horrible situation, meaning that the people aren't being taken care of. The, the facility in a, this far off land is dirty and doesn't have the, the cleanliness that is necessary. The production of quality is definitely not there. And I don't even know how the hell this is even happening, but I'm staring at a supplier who's supplying companies I know. And I'm just going, what the hell right so more often not being you know this white male that shows up you get this weird scenario where uh you have money you're going to give us money in some way and we're going to do some sort of trade however there's been other people like you that have screwed us up there's been people promising stuff and then leaving and we have then food or, you know, medicinal plants in the ground. And then no one came to, they promised to buy it and they didn't come to buy it. And then the farmer was, you know, vulnerably left there. So so scenario after scenario and land after land and, and country after country, almost every time there was this hurdle i needed to overcome this trust that i needed to build in order for us to even have something worth something so you became you know hundreds of hours of sitting with indigenous people and sitting with the elders or sitting with the person the president of a cooperative whatever it is you had to kind of show up in that way and then also with that, how are you processing it? How are you growing it? How are, are we up to date on standards and that will work? And so you have to marry that whole world into this company, corporation back in the US or wherever. And they all they want is they want to create this great product. And then you're kind of coming in going, okay, well, here's the real story. Here's the real marketing. Here's the real transparency. That's the way I, I always would approach it. And so the shocking, more of that shock was like, you guys don't know where your product's from. You don't know how it's grown. You don't know how the people are being treated. You don't know the quality. Yeah, you're testing some stuff, but you don't know what you're missing by the way it's being handled. Uh, And you don't know the real story, you don't know how this could affect the lives in a positive way, how important this is, uh, you know, so there's so much that was kind of embedded in me as a result, it was actually like, yeah, I'd find a food, but it was actually most important that the environment was taken care of the people were taken care of, which, which, by the way, the Baruca story became so important to me. Of course, the nut was like the most delicious nut. I had literally, if I didn't even own the company, I would say the same thing too. It's literally the most delicious nut I've ever <laughs> tasted. So, so for me as a formulator, I was like, well, you've always got a kind of a, a barrier of taste with people who've never had some of these plants or whatever. And this was like, no, this tastes something like they're going to feel like they want it. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, the other parts of the important story was the Sahadu, the savanna of Brazil that was being destroyed from factory farming faster than any landmass known on the planet that being decimated. So I was like, whoa. So now it became very important to, to preserve this very important tree that produced these nuts. And why I say important is because it was a nitrogen fixer to the plants around it. It tapped the water source so it could survive and the drought that was there. And then the Sahadu is a stabilizer of the Amazon. So, it, it, you know, this ecosystem was super important. So, like, we could provide an economy that wasn't existing, And create stability so that they wouldn't have to, you know, sell their land uh, and we could create a, a trade that was consistent. And all of those things became so important to then have an incredibly tasting food that were connected to transparency of great nutrition, supporting the indigenous people and planting trees and providing stability in the sahadu again. So that was a culmination of everything that I could possibly talk about and all of these stuff that was like, oh wow, we can do this. It's not easy, but we can do this.
0: We can bring it all together, all the thing you're passionate about and then the I haven't actually had a barukas nut. I can't wait to try one because if you say it's delicious. I mean, oh, we'll I pretty send, much love. I'll send you a whole every, I'll send yeah. you a whole care package for sure. Oh man, I can't wait to try it. I'm I'm curious where are we at with food in canada the u.s you know maybe i don't what would you term it maybe more developed or wealthy quote-unquote countries because it seems to me like we're getting further and further away from nutrient density which seems to be odd considering uh we should have the capacity to get closer to it and yeah so i'm curious your thoughts on that and then where would we start like with super life, you know, and know that it's on some level about that. So I'm curious what you would recommend. And and then I'd like to explore the subject of water because I think that's, well, I can't wait to get there, but yeah, let's start with the triumphant story of where we're at with food.
1: Yeah. I mean, where we're at with food is we've divorced nature. So just think of that ramification. So we are nature. uh, And I don't even say that flippantly. We're literally nature. You know, circadian Mm -hmm. rhythms, uh, tides in our body uh, with tides in the ocean. We're water. We're 70%. The water 70%. Like we are nature. We are bioelectric. We're biomagnetic. We're we're a battery. We are connected to the clocks of this planet. We need our biorhythms, the sun, the moon, the stars. That's it, man. So, by creating ultra processed food, you're taking what was once food. Sometimes you're not even taking food and you're just creating it from chemicals and yellow number fives and ultra preservatives. So, it lasts forever. All of this stuff, there's no symbiosis with that. So, you have to have a consequence, you have to have a laundry list of of side effects that are an absolute result of that divorcing of nature and being hijacked through, you know, the the olfactory system, the nose, the eyes, the tastes, uh, sugar, salts, fats, all of that stuff. So they know that. So you're being hijacked through your Limbic systems of taste and textures and everything else to create ultra processed food. So, obviously, the more we go down that path, we're already successfully the most diseased uh, country and the most diseased, chronic diseased population on the planet. We're now not extending our lifespan every year. This is the first couple of years that we're actually now going down. And so, children are exhibiting high blood pressure, heart disease, diabetes right away. It's happening, you're laying the foundation for all of that stuff. So that's where we're at. I mean, you could also go acutely saying, okay, we're we're now running into, you know, a food shortage of sorts, right? Well, in the early 1900s, 90% of the people were growing their own food. So you you now took all of this stuff and flipped it in some sort of brainwashing of like, no, don't grow food anymore we've got you right and so so now yeah. a few percent of people the the few farmers that are left are producing majority of food and now they've also been hijacked from their natural ways because now they've bought into this idea some of them obviously have bought into this idea of chemical agriculture and we've gotten away mm-hmm. from regeneration. We've gotten away from the cycles of nature. We've gotten away from the indigenous Incas. We've gotten away from the indigenous Aboriginals. We've gotten away from the indigenous Native Americans. We've gotten away from these natural cycles and how to grow it. And the truth is we can go back to that and their yields will increase. Our nutrient density will increase our soils will come back uh, and replenish. So your water, your water uh, sequestering goes up by thousands of percent. You need less and less water. If you have more and more nutrient density and, and mycelium and protozoa and fungi in the soils, then you have stronger plants, which means less herbicides and pesticides. You know, you just go down the list and I could keep going on for about a week with that kind of stuff. So we've gotten dependent on ultra-processed food. We've gotten dependent on some sort of weird conventional growing of spraying our food with, with chemicals. In truth, we have, I think it's about 70 million acres of lawn that we're now spraying with water when we could literally transform it into food forests, right? So we could go back Mm -hmm. to what we were doing to move forward with food security. We've been doing calculations with another clean energy technology company I'm involved with. And we go back into distillation. We go back into food waste. We go back into this stuff where we have fuels. And just on that one part, we could change out some of the fuel or some of the crops and go back into distillation with some of that stuff and then actually supply fuel for the entire United States without needing dependence on anything else. The point is, with that, in the example of the lawns that we have, we have an abundance of possibilities to grow food. And then all of that quote unquote insecurity talk goes away. You know, during the pandemic, if they wanted, people to have money and, and, Oh, we got a, you know, we got the stimulus checks, you know, the best thing to do in that scenario, from my perspective, one of the best things to do is figure out where people live, what they can grow and send them seeds overnight. Your food insecurity right. goes away and people start garnering their and gaining their sovereignty back and their freshness of food and nutrient value instantly goes up. So they're taking their vitamins from the earth from where they should have been getting it. And now the diseases that have plagued us start to go bye bye because literally it's food first. So we have to take we have to go all the way back to move forward. And it's so such a common sense thing. That the fact that there's any argument whatsoever is just ridiculous. Now, without going down that rabbit hole, there's reasons why you keep people in a scarcity. There's reasons why you keep people poor. There's reasons why. So listen, I'm not here to make people wrong, but let's understand the mechanisms of the wheels that we've bought into and face them look at them squarely and go, okay, well, that's crazy. We tried that, probably started with good <laughs> intentions. We created a dust bowl in the, in the middle of the country. We knew we were screwing, screwing up the soil. We knew we were screwing up food. We knew the nutrient value in the early 1900s, specifically in 1933. They knew that the food was plummeting in its nutrient value, but they didn't do anything about it. So what I'm saying for individuals, grow your own food, whatever you have, grow it on a windowsill, you know, grow some sprouts in your kitchen for a few cents. Broccoli sprouts are some of the most nutrient-dense superfoods in the world. And in five days, about a tablespoon and a half in a quart mason jar and just watering it and rinsing it twice a day, you'll have a full salad. You know, if you line up a few of those things, you could have a salad every day for about 25 cents, right? So we need to get out of this, oh my God, the the problem's so big, someone else is going to handle it. No, someone else isn't going to handle it. We drive the narrative, not being given the narrative. We drive it. Go back to our instincts. Our instincts is common sense. Get back to that. Don't be taken off track, going water, power, food, shelter. How you doing, right? Get back into that. Mm-hmm. How do I create clean water? How do I grow some food? How do I take care of my family? These are the types of what kind of power systems could we look at and generate? So there's all kinds of opportunity. There's no waste. In the world, there's no waste. It's just a lack of understanding or a lack of a failed system that's in place that needs to be upgraded or changed. So all of this stuff, I look at it as go. Okay, sometimes it's hard to face stuff. Just like even a (laughs) tough relationship conversation with a spouse or a loved one, we have to face this stuff. Not making people wrong but face it, look at it so that we can take it out of the dark closet and rearrange it and then set it up so that we can win.
0: Man, that invitation back to sovereignty in terms of growing food. I've been thinking a lot about that lately and moving towards that, you know, feeling that when you don't have a dependency on, you know, for the quality but also for the food on your grocery stores providing or the, all these you keep hearing the fear narratives that there'll be a food scarcity. And then at the same time, you hear this other conversation about, and we don't need to get into any, you know, depth on this, but about like uh, some of the world's most wealthy people buying up all the farmland. And then this cultivation of narrative, we could all just eat beyond beef burgers. And, you know, I I just had a conversation recently on the podcast about this. And I'm just curious your thoughts, because I was saying – and I might be totally wrong. And so that's why I want to hear it. I was just saying, like, it's so crazy to me that humans have this arrogance that we think we can create food in a lab that's more nutritionally, nutritiously dense than the food we can, that the earth grows, that that it provides. Like the idea that some guy in a sweater vest can all of a sudden solve all these issues and call it beef and make it smell like it. And I'm sure for people who are starving, those types of solutions are immediately, you know, can take care of something. But what you're saying is we don't have to even be there. We could teach people how to do that. So I'm curious your thoughts on, on that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's pretty simple. I mean, again, it's a divorcing of nature. Like we've got a better solution. Mm -hmm. You're so addicted to an hamburger that we got to build it in a lab from inflammatory foods (laughs) and additives and, and ingredients. Like, no, I mean, listen, I'm a plant-based guy uh, and I'm definitely not on board with frankenfoods, right? It's like, why would you do that? I mean, listen, when I eat my big bowl of fruit and I throw dates and strawberries and fresh food, I'm like, oh my God, it is so good, right? The, The candy, the nectar of life, is, is imbued in it. And, and yes, we get to have food orgasms by tasting it and enjoying it. <laughs> and like, you don't need to do any of that crap. And in fact, it hurts any of us that love plants that really want less death uh, as a requirement. I know I'm not in a delusion that I expect everyone not to eat meat. I just want people to eat better food. I want people to eat better and more nutritional plants. And like, it's on them, man. If they want to kill an animal, if they want to eat flesh of another being that's dead, hey, that's not my choice. That's your choice. I don't care. Like, of course I care in the life of everything, but it's not on me to decide what you want to eat. So I have many friends that are, you know, they're not maybe personal, personal friends, but they're friends and they're carnivores. Like they're smart enough oh, like not to ask me diet. questions. Yeah. They're, they're smart enough not yeah. to ask me questions and I'm smart enough not to ask. Cause it's, listen, if they, if they want to genuinely ask a question that is looking to do something different then of course we're going to have that conversation you know so you know these extremes of stuff is just also insane not to open up that pandora's box but the point is that life has been here let's follow her nature cuz she will provide if you don't think that that take one seed If I take one tomato seed and I plant it in my greenhouse, you know how many tomatoes I get from one seed? It's a miracle. I get hundreds and hundreds and each then tomato has 30, 40 seeds. So now all of a sudden I have more tomatoes than I could possibly eat myself. Why, if you'd look at the yields of nature, why wouldn't you do anything other than support the soil, support the plants doing their thing, and then support localization of that, immobilization of people doing that? So the answers are here already. Beautiful. And it, and it is not centralized, I promise you. It is decentralized in us just doing our thing and going back to what we know is our common sense radar. And so all of that, and you walk away feeling empowered, feeling in one, feeling, you know, talking to your plants. They know that that helps the plants. Like you just become in this ecosystem that we've desperately tried to divorce ourselves from, right? We, we have done it. We've successfully put ourselves in cubicles and square buildings and taken our feet off of the ground and became fearful of the sun that generates all of life. And we've bought into this shit, right? And it's like, come on like wake up and start gaining and garnering the power of nature herself that is in you and if you just acknowledge her her seed will proliferate inside of you so that's that's what i want to get back to like i, I don't give a shit what these governments are saying from food shortages and all of that stuff i work with people that want to start just getting back into those things and everyone can understand that everyone the only ones that are trying to spin us off of this is some weird ass guy or girl or person in an office that's so disconnected from nature I'm not listening to them they don't know anything about the natural laws of nature so not interested they don't have anything for me. They do have fear, and I'm not interested in that fear. So, you know, we have to just keep taking our power back in these things that I can do in my home today. And, and by doing that, I'm going to be infinitely healthier as a result as well.
0: Is there anything on top of starting to grow our own food and really start to, like you said, speak to our plants, get back in touch with nature, discover that nature is within us, reconnect with her, with the feminine, right? Like that return. And I'm curious, is there anything else that you're like, okay, here's a cut? Because your invitation, which is an invitation that I love because it's true relationally too, like you're not just going to get a good relationship to fall on your fucking lap. You got to create it you know, and we have to be active participants in our lives. And that's the same with our relationship with food. And I think a lot of us don't realize that we've sort of been systemically indoctrinated into the way that we just think nature works, the way that we think food should be provided, the assumptions we make about food, the assumptions we make about medicine. And so on top of, like you said, we can grow, the fact that we can grow a broccoli sprout salad for 25 cents a day, like a bushel of it, you know, that's pretty incredible, and they actually taste really good. Yeah. So, yeah, is there anything else look that it. you're like? This is also a must, and look at. Of course, everybody should. Look at. What's that?
1: This is a full mason jar of broccoli sprouts. Oh Ooh. wow! Five days. Five days. That's five days. All oh, it is five days. You soak them. You got a little wire mesh, which makes it super easy. You soak them overnight. Drain it, and then just fill the seeds full of water, drain it, rinse them twice a day, and just put it like this in the, in the dry rack, let it drain out, and poof, literally.
0: And then you have that.
1: One of the easiest and mo- most potent superfoods in the world. Right here. Anti-cancer, micronutrients, sulforaphane, all this stuff. And it's so fresh and full of life. Make a little tahini garlic ginger dressing. Boom. Incredible.
0: All right. So anything else that you're like, because I think everyone, we have to put the link to the Mason jar to the, you know, to all the things. So people can start doing that right away. Is there anything else from a food perspective that where you're like, everyone needs to stop this right now and start this?
1: Well, I would just say stop ultra processed food. Just stop all of that. Just you know, wean yourself off. You need a little time to wean yourself off. You've changed your environment. Now your microbes are craving the crap that you've been feeding it. So you need to actually change that stuff. So all of that, you know, super processed uh, chips and canned this and boxes of that. All of that just Just wean yourself off of that. Go back to nature, eat a bunch of fruit, seasonal vegetables, find your local farmer's market, load up on it, and then just start playing with raw fruits and vegetables. Start playing with soups and kind of medleys. I love that. Like I, you know, potatoes and yams and sweet potatoes and legumes and nuts and seeds. All of that stuff you can get, you can get bags and bags of organic stuff like that and have a lot of food and, you know, uh, when traveling through Brazil a few times, it was always interesting, you know, Brazil eats a lot of meat and you would run into these buffets and there's just tons of meat, but you could always find vegetables, rice and beans. So I would eat vegetables, rice and beans every day, all day. And so you can always go back. It doesn't have to be elaborate. It doesn't have to be crazy, but it has to taste good. And when you're fresh, every chef knows on the planet, when you have fresh, you have to add less to it. If you haven't had real fresh food, you are missing out, right? That's why I crave none of that ultra-processed stuff because I'm eating fresh food that, that hits the craving receptors infinitely more and creates a full satisfaction. So grow your food if you can reach out to the local farmer's market, Hell, plan a little food forest in your backyard instead of watering your lawn. It's a freaking waste, right? Include your children, Hell, get your schools, use part of the playground and grow food. And then they learn real practical information on how to grow and eating fresh food because most kids these days, they don't even know where food is from. Right. And the kids that want to, you know, eat meat or the the parents tell them, hey, you got to kill this. Do You want to do that? You know, just like, let's be honest. Let's stop Mm -hmm. this stupid thing of being so disconnected. We've done a hell of a job of disconnecting our lives. Ninety one percent of our lives. Ninety one. Ninety three percent of our lives are indoors. That's completely the Mm -hmm. opposite of our ancestors, which is why I was sitting outside. We were going to try to do the podcast. I was going to sit outside because I hate being inside in any way during the day. I just like, okay, I got to work. I got to do some emails. I got to write this book, but I'm going to sit outside under a tree, be stimulated by the hawks flying by and next to my dogs. And that's just the way I prefer it, the best that I can. So we got to do the best we can in our, in our modern day world. Hell, wake up. Get some sunlight without anything on, like no sunglasses, nothing. Get some early morning light. Set your circadian rhythms. The sun goes down, go down. Like stop putting on all this artificial lights. I don't even turn lights on. I don't remember the last time I turned lights on because it's just like it's not necessary. So, you know, it's those kind of things. There's a lot of little tips and tricks in all of this stuff, but that's my little rant.
0: Awesome. Okay. Now on to water. I don't think we have a clue about like, I mean, I, I laugh because I mean, it's not even funny, but I'm laughing maybe to soothe my uh, discomfort, which is growing up the city that I lived in put fluoride in the water. N- not even an option, like not like citizens of the city had a choice in any of this. And I didn't really even start to even think about water until, you know, someone had like a Brita filter when I was young, you know, and that, but not really even knowing what that was doing. So where do we start with that? And why should we be thinking
1: about our water? Yeah, water gets super complex. So I'll just cut to the chase on, I think over 70%, probably more in the United States still puts fluoride in water. There's no clinical data to support that it's good for your freaking teeth. It's a neurotoxin, right? So it is not good for you. It is not good to drink in. And also it's not good for children. It's not good for anyone. There's no functional benefit to fluoride in your water. So that's already insane. So you ask yourself, why the hell would they be putting <laughs> in our water? First off, are you acting as a functional doctor for us now, government? No. Right. Right. Take the fluoride out of my water. Secondly, yes, If you the, the convenience of turning on your tap, it can breed all kinds of bacteria and fungus that can kill you, right? So they do have to chlorinate the water right? So it kills off everything, the high concentration, and then it has to travel to your faucet and hopefully not garner any other things that could kill you. But also with all the other chemicals, it's creating other types of reactions to chlorine, making it infinitely more carcinogenic. As well as now we know pharmaceutical drugs from all the years of us dumping pharmaceutical So now all that's showing up, BPAs, estrogens from plastics, uh, pesticides and herbicides, all this stuff. Hell, we know what went on in Flint, Michigan. So the the truth is you can't trust, you can't see it. But believe me, there's a lot of total dissolved solids in that water that you don't want to be taking. So you have to filter. Unless you have your own spring that you've tested and it's clean and clear, that's obviously ideal. Most people don't have that. So reverse osmosis, which allows for nothing to go through it and allows to get all those unwanted total dissolved solids, or distillation, vaporize it, comes back and condenses again. Now, don't drink that water alone. You've just made a vacuum. Keep in mind, we said earlier we're bioelectric, we're but we've got 70 trillion batteries of cells, we are electric. We need electrolytes, right? We need calcium, magnesium, potassium, sodium. We need these electrolytes in our water. Naturally, it comes in with the fruits and vegetables. So, you know, watermelon and, and muskmelon, and all these, you know, every fruit has structure. I'm not even gonna get into structured water. It's gonna take a whole too much time, but it has, A simulative water with natural electrolytes and other compounds, obviously, if it's in the fruit. So you can get hydrated from that. However, going back to the distillation and reverse osmosis, you've created a vacuum of a lack of electrolytes. So you need to add electrolytes back in because, again, you're not getting it directly from nature. We don't have that accessibility most of. So you either add Himalayan crystal salt. Fulvic minerals. So, I have, there's a great company called BLK. They've got a great dropper of fulvic minerals. These are ancient plant minerals. And the reason why Himalayan salt or fulvic minerals or any type of there's some sea minerals, as long as you're giving those electrolytes getting back in. Now, you could put sodium bicarbonate, you could increase the pH. That's not what I'm talking about. Electrolytes are in an angstrom size form that allows for hydration to go in the cell. And then it pushes elements that it needs to detox out of the cell. But the most important thing is hydration, you need to think on a cellular level, which is why I'm saying the particular electrolytes to add back in, because those are the small size. Think of the cell and having the right size electrolytes you can find all kinds of vitamin and mineral specific mineral compounds that you could take in a pill and they're too big for the cell, right? No one knows that they're not talking about the, the, the correct size and size matters in this case, they, they have to go in and out of the cell for hydration to happen. So, so, so that's a really important thing. So when you distill it, And reverse osmosis, you just add, you know, a pinch of Himalayan crystal salt, a droplet of BLK or whatever. And now you have clear, clean water with the electrolytes that will increase your hydration and stay away from plastics and all of that other stuff, which is a whole nother, you know, neutering, endocrine disruption, gnarly problem that we have with plastics and our food and water. I know
0: that if we were to get into structured water, that's probably a whole other podcast episode. So we can skip that for the moment, but I'm definitely going to have you back on because I feel like <laughs> we can only scratch the, like, the very, very surface of all the decades of work that you've been doing. And I wanted to just close off and finish by chatting about the Baruchus nut and just what is in it, what makes it so nutrient-dense
1: yeah, the the baruchas, keep in mind, baruchas is one of the only foods that can scale that's a wild food. It's collected, it's not grown, right? So it's in the wild. So it's a wild food. So it's nature, nature packed it, right? So the cool thing is that on the top line, it has got less fat calories than any nut. It's got, so lower in calories, it's got a complete protein. Again, everything I'm saying, we've tested. We didn't just take information from someone else, we tested. So it's got a complete protein, which is crazy cool in a nut, because usually there's some amino acids that lack off. It's got three times, on average, three times more fiber than any nut. And now we know fiber is king. You shouldn't stop asking, protein's important, but fiber is infinitely more important from my perspective because you're feeding this infinitely complex biological system that we barely understand, but really know from serotonin, and dopamine, to the immune system, to being able to actually absorb and transmute our food. It's not what you eat, it's how well you can absorb it. And so we know now through the studies that someone next to me who hasn't been eating maybe as clean as me, I am actually receiving more nutrients from the same meal than someone who's just having a healthy meal every so often. That's crazy and that all comes down The enzyme activity, the transmutation that the microbiome has, the breakdown possibilities from those enzymes to uptake the nutrients. So fiber, super important. Also, the antioxidant value of barucas, and this is because of the stress in the Sahadu that's being put on this nut, develops this high antioxidant capacity. To understand that a little bit, you've got an almond. Next to it, Baruchas. Baruchas, we've tested at over 370% more antioxidants than an almond. Plus, keep in mind, here's the other side of it. There's no watering of our Baruchas. And the almonds, Mm. certainly in the state of California, every year requires the same amount of water all of the LA area requires every year. So think about that for a second. Jeez. We are yeah. taking water and and watering almonds, and it's the same amount of water whole L.A. County uses every year. That's nuts. Right? Not I'm to bitter. mention the not horrible, even meant to me. Yeah, the poll- p- pollinators. Yeah, it's not. It's 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 a really bad for the bees. It's really bad for the environment. It's really bad for water. So I say right now, stop eating almonds. Switch over to brucas. They're more sustainable. Plus, we're also planting trees. Remember what I said a little bit? How the Sahadu is under this massive environmental pressure from, well, not really environmental. It's environmental now, but from the destruction of this factory farming. So now by that strain and stress, we're planting trees. We're planting a tree for every five pounds someone buys of Baruchas. So we're supporting that economy. We're supporting the indigenous people. And people get what tastes like a peanut with a little hint of cocoa and cashew. And then you get to support this line of indigenous people supporting the environment. Uh, So this is just something that selfishly, I just wanted to eat this nut forever. And, And we were able to then build a business around doing it good by the indigenous people we're we're providing about two thousand jobs every year uh and that number is growing and then we're planting trees and then we're getting the most nutrient dense nut in the world to people it's just you know it's just good all the way around man
0: that's incredible i can't wait to try them and you know i i want to point everyone to your podcast too because you go through i mean you cover all the gamut of subjects and want to say thanks like thanks for coming on and sharing all this information I mean we're all going to be growing broccoli sprouts for sure after listening to this episode if that is just one of the outcomes of people listening to this is that they start to feel that sense of responsibility and joy and connection in nature that comes from that and comes from thinking about their water and thinking you know because this isn't about saying you can't trust any system or government or anything it's to say, you shouldn't even have to place it all in them. Like this should actually be our responsibility first, you know, and we have given away so much of our sovereignty and dependent people become very easy to control. You know, they become very easy to change. And this is about separating our minds and our bodies from the systems. So Darren, where can people find more of you and and the Baruchas nut and all that stuff?
1: Yeah, so Darrenoline.com has a bunch of stuff that I'm doing. Uh they can sign up for my newsletter. I'm dropping more information there. And then Darren O'Lean on all social and then B-A-R-U-K-A-S dot com. Learn more of the story. We've got some cool videos up there. And try the nut out. It's you will not be disappointed. And we got some cacao covered uh nuts as well. And whoa. What Okay.
0: I'm sold on anything cacao covered. Okay, perfect. Thanks, sir. Thanks for coming. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thanks, brother. It's been a blast. Thanks for your great questions.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. If this episode resonated with you, one of the best ways to support the show is to go subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any more. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to it, or share the episode with your community on Instagram or whatever social place you like to hang out. This helps get it into more people's ears, and I'm so grateful for your support, always. Thanks again for tuning in. Much love.